bring either eager anticipation, frustration, sadness, fear. Uh, I want to share with you, when we announced the gender of Liam to our children, their responses, and they were quite different. I did ask permission from my daughter Amelia to play this video. So I'd like you to watch this as uh, I think it is one of the funniest moments in my entire family's life. Now that was interesting to live through, and uh, as you saw, MJ was cheering like he won the Super Bowl. <laughs> Amelia was not a huge fan, and she would calm down, and then MJ would say, we're having a boy, and she would do that again. Well, we talk about announcements and our response to them, because we are looking at an announcement from an angel to a 13 to 16-year-old girl about a baby that she is going to have. And in this announcement, you know, that we see this world-changing moment where she is being told that the hope of mankind was to rest on a yet unborn child. The hope of mankind rested on a yet unborn child. The angel Gabriel comes to Mary and shares with her this good news, this announcement of hope. And we see throughout this wonderful narrative that Mary follows through, that a young teenage girl believes and walks in this hope that is being announced. We see this and we, we can miss everything that Gabriel is talking about as he is announcing hope. And I'm going to share with you that I believe there are nine aspects of hope that we can find from this very quick announcement. Some of you are thinking, it's Communion Sunday, and he said nine points. Tuck in. The question that we'll ask is, what hope did Gabriel's announcement bring? What hope did Gabriel's announcement bring? Let's pray, and then we will open up the word of the Lord together. Father, we, we thank you for this announcement. We thank you for sending Gabriel to Mary. We thank you for all of the beautiful aspects of hope that we see in this passage. I pray, Holy Spirit of the living God, that you will fall fresh upon us this morning.
I pray that we will be able to celebrate this wonderful announcement of hope with joy, with anticipation, with excitement. May we learn not just for information, but for transformation. In your name, amen. So if you'd open up Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38, we see the announcement of hope. Starting with verse 26, the word of the Lord. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. What a beautiful announcement. And I think often when we come to the Advent Christmas season that we can kind of take for granted this quick story, this quick moment in the life of Mary. But we're going to pause and reflect and unpack these aspects of hope. Luke was a doctor and a theologian. He was the one who wrote this book, and his whole goal was to go and have eyewitness testimony, writing down everything that everyone saw about Jesus. And so this very narrative comes from the mouth of Mary herself to Luke, the doctor. And so he writes it down. You might have asked, how in the world did did anyone know what was said to Mary? She declared it. She gave the good news of what God had done in and through her to Luke himself. And the first aspect of hope that we see in this announcement is the hope of undeserving grace. The hope of undeserving grace. When Gabriel shows up on the scene, he says to Mary, Oh, favored one. And then he shares with her that she has found favor with the Lord. We see this in this aspect that favor means not just favor, but also grace and mercy, that you are receiving grace and mercy. We have to understand that as a 13 to 16-year-old girl, Mary had done nothing to receive the favor of the Lord. She didn't do anything yet with her life. She wasn't married. She had just grown up into womanhood. She had not yet done anything. But the angel calls her favored one. The angel says that you, Mary, have found favor with the Lord. 
Bach, Daryl Bach, my favorite theologian on the book of Luke, says this. She is a picture of those who received God's grace on the basis of his kind initiative. Mary received the grace of God to be the mother of the Lord Jesus, but she had done nothing to receive that grace. That's why she was kind of confused. She was confused as to what kind of response or what kind of announcement is this. She was not believing herself to be favored. She had no idea why she would receive that favor. Some teach that Mary was perfect. We don't teach that. She was a human with the capability of sinning. And so I'm sure by the time she was 13, she had done a lot of sin in her life. Just like by the time you and I were 13, we had done so as well. But God gives undeserving grace to Mary. And the beauty of this announcement is that we too receive undeserving grace. Did you know that you don't deserve God's grace? I know I don't. When I reflect and see my thought life, my action life, my, the way I've lived a lot of my life, I wonder why do you give me grace? But yet he does. Because of his great love. He gives favor. This is an image of the hope that we have that there is undeserving grace for a sinful human being like me and like you. She is a picture of this moment. And we could miss that aspect of this announcement of hope. When it comes to salvation, the same is true for you and for me. We don't deserve it. One commentator said, Mary knew who Christ was before anyone did because she was the very first person to whom God chose to reveal Christ's identity. That's cool. A 13-year-old girl was able to have the news before anyone else. So what that tells me is that if you are a teenager in the room, do not discount yourself to have the capability of hearing God's voice because Mary was 13. That is an aspect of hope. The second aspect of hope that we see in this announcement was the hope of salvation. Not only is there this sense of undeserving grace, but there's the hope of salvation. The Gabriel angel, the angel Gabriel rather, said to Mary, you are to name him Jesus. And the name Jesus means salvation. He's declaring to Mary, your baby will bring salvation. That's huge. That's a big deal. Because we don't deserve God's grace, because we have been born into a sinful nature, we need salvation. We cannot save ourselves. The Bible is very clear that no matter how good or how bad you are, you will never be able to earn God's love. We can't earn it. We can't earn salvation. We can't save ourselves. But Christ can. Christ is our salvation, and we see the hope of this salvation. Jesus, the epicenter of salvation, this, this announcement brings that hope. 
Mary was given quite a task then. A young teenage girl being told that she is going to bear the Savior, that she has to raise the Savior, that she has to feed the Savior. It's a lot of pressure. How many of you guys would like that kind of pressure? I know I wouldn't. But she knew before anyone else that her son would bring salvation. The third aspect of hope that we see in this announcement is not just undeserving grace, not just salvation, but the hope of a new king. The hope of a new king. We see in Israel's story that they were constantly bombarded with being captured, being captive, taken into slavery, continuously conquered people. In, we, we see this in Egypt, and then in Jesus' day, we see this from Rome. They were a conquered people. They knew that their salvation was coming. They knew that a new king was prophesied to come. When they read Isaiah and they read all of the other prophets, Jeremiah and the others, minor and major prophets, they knew that there was a promise of a new king. They knew that there was going to be a second type of Moses who was going to bring them out of the slavery, out from underneath this conquering king named Caesar. They anticipated that this, this coming king would come with power and a sword and would fire up all these people, taking over Israel again, killing out all the Romans. But that's not the type of king that they got. There is a new king who is going to build a new kingdom, a different type of king. And Jesus is to be that king. There was a hope that these men and women in Israel had for a new king. And Mary, a young girl, receives the news from Gabriel that a new king has come. The excitement and joy that she would have at that news, news that they have been anticipating and waiting for, has come. We can't fully understand what that meant to the Jewish people because we've never experienced what they've experienced. We've never been in the shoes of a conquered people. We've never had to look at our past and see that we have been washed in all kinds of conquering over and over and over again, constantly in prison, constantly abused, constantly neglected. We can't understand, but we can reflect and say, this was a big moment, that as Gabriel was declaring this new king, something within Mary was welling up with excitement and anticipation and joy. The hope of this new king would come from her womb. Now, I know we love our children, I know that we think that our children are the bee's knees, the best that there ever could be. But Jesus takes the cake on all of that. Mary had the honor of giving birth to the king of kings, holding within her womb the king of kings. Man, that's awesome. That is awesome. 
The fourth aspect of hope that we see in this announcement was the hope of a new kingdom. There's a hope of a new kingdom. That yes, there will be a king who will sit on the throne. And that this king's kingdom will last forever and forever and forever. Now we also know in the Old Testament that God declares that there are kings who rise and kings who fall. There's a time for a king to rule and a time for a king to be defeated. But what he is saying here to her and to us is that the kingdom of God is different than the kingdoms of this world. I think too often we intermingle the two too much. That we forget that his kingdom is an otherworldly kingdom. That you and I are to live with a kingdom focus, not a kingdom focus. We can be all about our own fiefdoms, where we say, it's about my household, it's about my money, it's about my job, it's about this county, it's about this state, it's about this, and we just continue going on and on. And the focus isn't terrible, but when we lose focus of the kingdom, what is our kingdom call? We're to be messengers like Gabriel, to declare a new king has come to declare that the kingdom of God has been established, that the king will, in fact, return. These are amazing, awesome promises in Scripture that we are to cling to and to share. The kingdom of tyranny is replaced with the kingdom of the Lord. They were looking for the tyranny, the tyrannical Caesar to be usurped. But Jesus the king usurped an even more dangerous, even more wicked person, Satan. Through Christ's coming, through Christ's death, through Christ's resurrection, Satan's sin and death were defeated. The tyranny of the sinful nature is gone. If we receive it and accept it, confess and repent and declare that he is our Lord, that tyrannical person the enemy of our souls loses all of his power now it's a spiritual reality that they want it to be a physical reality i think sometimes we hope that our circumstances would be better but our names are in heaven that we do not have to worry about the enemy's schemes here because he can never take our salvation. Amen? David Bach says about this announcement and about this beautiful desire for a new kingdom, he says that this announcement clearly recalls a deeply held hope that emerges from the Old Testament. The Old Testament was filled with prophetic words about the coming of the king. Over and over and over again, we see prophecies made, things spoken about thousands of years beforehand, that a king would come, that things would change, that there would be something different that would happen. And here, the epicenter of history, this announcement changes literally everything. That the king has come, a new kingdom will be established. And the fifth aspect of hope that we see in this announcement is the hope of promises kept. All of these prophecies 
these prophetic words that were spoken from the prophets of old, they were promises. Promises from God that things would not remain the way they are. That the enemy would be defeated and cast down. That there is a victory from the new king and the new kingdom. And we look at this beautiful aspect of the constant, consistent promises fulfilled in the life of Jesus. It's absolutely astronomical. If you were to take all the prophecies from the Old Testament and overlay them into the life of Jesus Christ, it is statistically impossible for Jesus to have fulfilled as many of them as he had. Statistically impossible. You know, you could say, well, that's just coincidental. That's just coincidental. But over 300 things happening to overlay perfectly into the prophetic promises of the coming Messiah? Uh-uh. That ain't happening. And this announcement to Mary, who was a virgin, and the virgin giving birth was prophesied, even though the Israelites for a time thought it was just a metaphor. This was a reality, a promise, met in this moment that the Holy Spirit would come upon her and put within her the seed of God, and that she would give birth to a new king, to a savior, who would establish a new kingdom. Man, if I were Mary in that moment, I would probably want to cheer like I won the Super Bowl like MJ and not cry like Amelia. But the way Amelia cried is the way Satan cried when Jesus defeated Satan, sin, and death. He was terrified of what Jesus would do. He was terrified of the coming king, terrified of what Christ was, who he was. Warren Wearsby reminds us, Jesus came to earth to be the Savior of the world, but he also came to fulfill the promises God had made to the Jewish fathers. Not only does Christ's resurrection prove to us that he is God, but all of the prophecies that he fulfilled continuously declare to our hearts and our souls that he is who he said he was. The sixth aspect of hope that we see in this announcement, was the hope of Jesus' return. The hope of Jesus' return. Warren Wearsby says this, The throne that Jesus sits on is not the throne of David yet. One day, Jesus will return and establish his righteous kingdom on earth, and these promises will be fulfilled. There are still yet prophetic promises that are to be fulfilled, and Christ promised he will return and he will fulfill all of those promises. One of the things that, uh, as I've been reading through A.W. Tozer's uh, Advent devotional, he constantly gets irritated that no one is preaching and teaching about the second coming of Christ during Advent. And I totally agree with it. Because what he says and what the Bible is very clear about is that the coming of Christ in human flesh was the beginning of the end. And when Christ returns to finish his work, that is the final nail on the enemy's coffin. Where we can say and declare the victory of Christ. Where you and I will be taken up into the clouds with the saints and all of the witnesses. The advent 
of Christ brings to us an image of the second coming. He will come differently and not as a baby. He'll come as a warrior on a white horse, coming down the same way with which he went up. But we would be remiss if we didn't reflect on the coming of Christ, the second coming, as we reflect on the first coming. Jesus' return is something that as believers we should cling to, a hope that we should have, but often we don't reflect upon it. Tozer also said in that devotional book that we don't preach very much about the book of Revelation. And we're going to look at the seven churches of the book of Revelation in the coming weeks after Advent. Because it's important for us to reflect upon what is the return looking like? What does it mean for us? So the sixth aspect is the hope of Jesus' return. The seventh aspect of hope we see in this announcement was the hope of the incarnation. The hope of the incarnation. We see that he is declared as coming in human flesh. That God, the divine, the Holy Spirit will bring the seed of God into a human's body. And we see this great mystery of the incarnation where Jesus is both fully God and fully man. And we have this quandary, how is this possible? And Mary even asked the same question, how could this be possible? I'm a virgin. And God declares the Holy Spirit will do it. The Holy Spirit will bring it about. You don't have to worry about doing it. That's God's position. You just need to be a willing vessel. And this teenager... Think about that. This teenager said, yes. That's mind-blowing to me. I know when I was 13, I could barely get out of bed on time. When I was 13, I couldn't even do anything without thinking about the next TV show I was going to watch. When I was 13, I would just focus on my Star Wars video games. But here, Mary, a 13-year-old, says, yeah, I'll do that. When you were 13, would you do that? How many of you would have said, yeah, yeah, bring that on? Not many. But she said yes. And he was going to come in human flesh. I believe that the incarnation is the self-revelation of the living God. That he would come, and this is, I always say, when it comes to the Advent time, that the incarnation of Jesus is one of the most mysterious things of our beliefs. That the resurrection, I can conceptually think of someone who is dead coming back to life. But God becoming human, man, that is a deep mystery. That we have to step back and have the faith of Mary and say, yeah, I don't fully understand it, but I believe it. Because the aspects of his humanity and deity were key to the reality of him conquering Satan's sin and death. The eighth aspect of hope we see in this announcement is the hope of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The hope of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We see that the Gabriel, the angel, the messenger brings this powerful truth that the Holy Spirit will come on you. That the only way that is possible 
for Mary to do that which she was called to do would be through the power and the empowerment and the miracle of the Holy Spirit. You might just say, oh, that's really good for that portion, but this is also a reflective hope for you and for me that we can, in fact, do what the Scripture calls us to do because we have access to the same Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit who put Jesus in Mary's womb, the same Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead lives within us. We should be the most empowered, most passionate, most encouraged, most excited people on the planet because we have the living God within us. We should not be able to walk in fear of what man or what the enemy can do because Mary, a 13-year-old, believed it. And she walked in power knowing what it was going to do to her reputation, knowing that she could lose Joseph, knowing that she could lose every single thing in her life. She still chose to go into it and say, yes, I will do that. How often are we that willing? Probably rarely. How often are we that excited about something that God is going to do in us? How often do we rely upon the power of the Holy Spirit rather than the power of ourselves? My friends, we need the Holy Spirit. And here, the the angel Gabriel declares to her, you don't have to worry about it. The Spirit of God will do it. That message is for you and for me. We look at Scripture and say, how can I do that? You can't. Don't worry about it. The Holy Spirit will do it. Will you just surrender? Will you just trust? Will you just believe? Will you just be a willing vessel? That's the truth, the hope that we have as believers. This is a picture of you and me. Someone once said the Holy Spirit would place Jesus within her womb, and when Jesus ascended into heaven, he would place the Holy Spirit within us. Beautiful. The ninth aspect of hope that we see in this announcement is the hope of the Lord's strength. The hope of the Lord's strength. Read with me verse 37 one more time. It simply says this, for nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing will be impossible with God. He is giving Mary a hope of God's strength. This probably was the weirdest thing a 13-year-old girl could ever hear. But nothing is impossible with God. As we look at the Advent season and we see all of the things, the circumstances, the struggles, the trials, the tribulations, the frustrations that seem to come and surround us, we need to remember on Gabriel's words that nothing is impossible with God. I think we forget that. I forget that often when I look at my surroundings, I look at my circumstances, and I get frustrated and angry and fearful. We just simply need to remember the hope of this announcement. The strength of the Lord is ours, that nothing is impossible with God. Amen? Let's have the faith of a 13-year-old girl. Let us, like Mary, believe these aspects of hope 
are for us. It was not just for Mary. These aspects of hope were not just for Israel. These aspects of hope are for us. The salvation is for us. The new king and the new kingdom, that is for us. The beauty of the indwelling Holy Spirit, that is for us. The impossibility of breaking God's power is for us. When we look at these passages and we own them as our own and believe He is who He says He is. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for the faith of this young girl. I thank You for sending Christ. I thank You for giving us the hope that you give us. We don't deserve your grace, yet you give it. And I thank you for your love that sent Jesus to be fully God and fully man. May we have the faith of Mary and say yes to your hope. Amen.